You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered, none accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. We are coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and we are right in the middle of the season of the Underwear Olympics. The NFL Combine's going on. <laughs> Longhorn's going through winter conditioning. You know about the Underwear Olympics, Rod B. I do. It is when grown men, uh, grown men salivate, actually catcall other grown men. I'm sure that happens in other parts of the world, but not like the NFL Combine where you may get a grown man complimenting you on the uh, how high up your booty is or how nice your glutes are or how big your thighs are, stuff like that. Grown men uh, actually looking at that kind of stuff. But for them, it translates to, oh, that guy's a good center of gravity, a good base. Oh, that means he has a good explosion, whatever the hell it is. But it is a very surreal job interview, maybe the most surreal job interview out there other than the CIA or the FBI. Uh, maybe there's some other stuff like yeah, because like I was about to say, because you also may have some guy that's asking you a, like an absurd question, now only to there. anger you to get that's you. Point. To, and that's like an is FBI your mom a hooker? Which well, yeah, is a question exactly. that's been asked at the but NFL like, Sometimes, like you're yeah. in a murder investigation, and those questions are being asked to you, and like, no, no, this is just a work investigation. Yeah. So there's no, I don't think there's a job interview on it, like the on the planet, but maybe the CIA, because the CIA, I'm sure, is pretty covert and clandestine, but. You can ask questions that are obviously illegal in other forms of, yes. <laughs> right? In, in, in other forms of interviews and other levels. professions that are literally illegal. Like, you cannot ask stuff like that, that personal. But in the NFL Combine, you can ask it, and it's all good. And, of course, hell, catcalling and harassing at any, in, in any interview would be considered, that is crazy. And that is, no, of course, that is illegal, and that is harassment, and you cannot do that. But at the NFL Combine, yeah, basically they're grown men catcalling other grown men and looking at it. It's, it, trust me, I don't even know how they get away with it, <laughs> considering there's a players' union. But as we know, that players' union gets punked a lot of the time. So uh, that's sure. why you can get away with this. There's, that's why the NBA combine and the, and, the, and the Major League Baseball combine, it ain't even close to it. It's not a meat market. Like the NFL. Yeah, the I don't NFL even is know a true MLB meat market. Like straight up. Get in your damn underwear and your drawers. Let me look at you and your body. All yep. that kind of stuff. I don't I think in Major League Baseball and the NBA is a little bit different. There's a little bit more mm-hmm. integrity in the process, if that's the way to say it. Well, I think you've got more there's more exposure to those guys because in the NBA, you've probably seen a lot of those guys at AAU tournaments. They're and one and done anyway. Like if they up. go to the refined so there's more you, you that you have more of a, of an eye test on those guys. This for a lot of these GMs, these front office people, this might be your one really good look at that guy 
ever. I mean, your your area yeah. scouts, so you your want pro to see scouts are probably borderline seen butt naked. Is what you would like to see. <laughs> as weird as it sounds, yeah. Look at you. But I'm saying, no other job interview is like that though. Right. Even, even in sports, I don't know if there are other job interviews like in Major League Baseball, NBA, that are quite that invasive. Great point. Great way to say it. Yes. Yeah, it's almost like a, <laughs> uh, the only thing I can think of societally is like a dog show or something. Like, <laughs> there you go. That actually, I think you're correct. <laughs> Pick up that leg. Yeah, let me let see me that see leg. That let me, hey, lift your chin up strut here. Around. Let me look at you. Strut around. For now me. run like this for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> that Jump is, through a hoop. That is a really good analogy. And on that note, let's go ahead and move on with the show. Uh, show. You, you've heard but I love it. I do it all over right. again if I could. You've heard the two voices of the uh, two members who make up the three-man team here on Longhorn Blitz. Let me bring them in right now. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. Yourself? Matt, did your cousin get you that shirt you're wearing today? Yes, he did. I figured. Yep. It's a Monday Night Football shirt. Oh, yeah. That's little, legit. That's that stuff apparel. that uh, the, uh, the folks behind the curtain wear. Yeah, they wear it on mm-hmm. like, whenever they're going to do their sit-down with coach or whatever. <laughs> Matt's cousin, Matt's cousin Jason is uh does Jason actually have a, a job title right now? No, he's he just, just a freelance kinda... dude, but he uh worked but he's got the, the, he yeah. picked up uh being on a crew with Fox this year, so he got to do the Super Bowl. And before it'd been doing like oh, the last few national nice. championships and Monday night football or NBA finals. So when you can get in with two networks, that's good stuff. There you go. Uh, a man who's uh he's he knows about networks and radio gigs and all kinds of stuff in the media industry because he is part of the as he calls it, the sports industry. Complex. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother, as always. And Rod, anytime combine season comes up, uh, people that have been loyal listeners of the Blitz know your stories. People who have not been listening to the show very long might not know your stories. Uh, your com- Honestly, Rod, your combine experience is one of the more unique combine experiences I've heard of. Based on it was uh, yeah, based on the line of questioning from the Minnesota, and it was the Vikings, the Mike Tice yeah. Minnesota Vikings. Mike Tice Minnesota Vikings. They Love uh, boat. they were upset. Well, first of all, they called me out about my height at Texas. Um, they thought I had lied about my height somehow. I tried. Like you were lying, not the like, school. I was lying because in the program it did have me at five eleven. I believe in the program at the combine I measured at five eight and three quarters. So uh, they were a little upset about that, I guess. And I, I had made – I was like, no, I didn't lie about my height. Like, they, they measured me. They they decided to run with 5'11". I've always been Roderick. I'm this size. But they yeah. call me Rod, and I'm so 5'11". That was, that, was, that was an issue. And then I guess maybe my integrity was <laughs> – it was uh, something that they were questioning because they asked me about the pick in the Oklahoma game. And they were like they were they replayed it and then they asked me kind of to draw up the coverage and I told them well it were basically we're in man coverage but we were playing a combo uh, we were basically playing tango which was when you're a bunch or tight receivers uh, or a compressed formation that I'll take the outside route you take the inside route we'll just you know we'll pass off those routes and they didn't believe that I was basically in man coverage but um, it shifted to a zone. They thought I was making it up, and I was like, "Because no, no, Gary no. Danielson lied on the play yeah, by on play. the broadcast. It said we were in zone coverage." Yeah, yeah. He's been talking out of his butt. His we whole just, it was just a tango, 
And man, we talked about that for probably five minutes. I was like, what do you mean you weren't in zone? And how'd you, then why, why weren't you guarding anybody? I was like, hold on, do you guys not know about matchup zones and man zone concepts? Do I have to explain that to y'all? I don't know if they were just trying to drill me or whatever. Um, and then, of course, there's all the questioning. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a pressure cooker, I think. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And then there was the other question the Vikings asked you. Well, the Vikings underwear. Were, yeah, well, the underwear thing was a different team. The Vikings oh, were was the team it? That okay. asked about the marijuana. Okay. Um, because we had a history at Texas of guys who so liked about to, to be smoke. taken out of the CBA this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who liked to smoke the good green. Of yeah, course, we had just come off the banish Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams, exactly. Think about what it's, t- it's 2003. So think about Ricky Williams, you know, yeah. been in the news a little bit. And yeah. um, I think Mac Brown's what was his, his first year? First year. No, second year. That he had these suspensions. Kwame Cavillian. Um, yeah, yeah, Humphrey. he had suspensions for the guys right. before the Cotton Bowl. So there was, you know, uh, they, they it's asked Austin. Yeah, they, they <laughs> no, on. they really did. I think it's because the McConaughey bongo thing. Yep, yep. Uh, banging on the bongo. McConaughey. Is. I think well, no McConaughey yet. Yeah, everything was like, Ricky oh, so, was a villain. Yeah, they were like, no, you guys like to party there in Austin. And so how much weed do you smoke? And I'm like. I don't smoke weed. <laughs> Obviously, I was lying. Uh, but I just smoke it a lot. I, I was like, I, I'm clean. They, go, yeah. they tested me here. I'm not in the system. Me. I'm fine. You know, I never I never got suspended for violating the test. I know how to conduct myself. And so but I did tell them, no, I've, I've never smoked marijuana. I did not. I never smoked it. Any kid I might have that age Bill Clinton, from like, the- I did not inhale. I was offered. I, Define I inhale. But I definitely told them, no, no, I've never smoked marijuana. What do you mean? Marijuana? I don't know. So they got it to me about that. Um, I think it was the Falcons that asked me about um, the underwear, uh, if I ever worn women's underwear. Was a, no, when was the last time I yeah, wore women's last underwear? When was the last time? Uh, <laughs> and it was just, I was like, whoa, whoa. I, was, I just laughed. I was like, what? Y'all got video? What do you mean the last these time hotel I wore rooms? I was like, I, I've never worn women's underwear at all. But I was like, I'm not a, I'm not against it or anything. I mean, honestly, I was like. I thought there's anything yeah, wrong Yeah, like, I was like, you know, but I'm not, I've never done it before. You know what's always struck? truth that time. I what's always struck me about the combine, Rod, and the questions you got <laughs> asked frame this, and the four Longhorns who are in who are in Indianapolis, Devin Duvernay, Colin Johnson, Brandon Jones will not be working out because he's coming off the labrum surgery, and Malcolm Roach. When you get asked those questions, Rod, there's no right answer you can give. Exactly. They want your reaction. Right. That's what they want to judge. They want to judge you in, the, in a pressure-packed situation. That's why I think it was all... It was all a fugazi, a fugazi. The, the thing about the play and my height, they just want to see if they can get under my skin easily, what your randomly. What my, yeah, exactly. Am I going to joke back with them? Do I think it's a joke? Do yeah. I think it's serious? Do like, I how do I carry myself? I think that's all those interviews about. So they're just throwing whatever the hell they can get. For other, I don't think they had any dirt on me back then. And now you live in the social media mm-hmm. age and you live in a different age of information. So I think now they probably, I think the questions now and, you know, kind of the way they, put the guys under the spotlight, almost like an interrogation. So I bet now it's much rougher and tougher than it was when I was out there because they were just looking for random bits of information that they could drill me about. Now, think about how much you know about a person now by just Googling them. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? That's social media and where they're yep. from, who their girlfriend is, and mm-hmm. who their girlfriend before that was. Last time they broke. You know, all that kind of stuff, you can get into some deep stuff, and I bet now they really have a good way to get up underneath the skin. Well, I, remember, is- I remember talking to – sorry, Matt. I remember talking to Jordan Hicks after his combine, and remember he had – there was the agent stuff with him and Cedric Reed, and maybe Desmond Jackson was involved oh, yeah. in that. A lot of stuff. He had the incident at the Alamo, Alamo Bowl, Bowl with yep. him and Case McCoy where they got sent mm-hmm. home. Oh, man. So we didn't get into two specifics, but he was like, yeah. It was rough. There was a few interviews where it was a little bit rough. <laughs> it was rough. It's like an interrogation. You ever watch, mm-hmm. you know, the first 48 or uh, Law & Order? It almost worked. If you're a guy like Jordan Hicks who's had some, some incidents, you know what I mean? 
you got to you got to explain them all away. Like yeah, they want to yeah. know. They they want to know. Okay, what type what of person happened? is this? What happened in that in that room? Problems? What happened? You know, on, in that incident, what, did you throw the first punch or whatever? They want to know all those, and they don't really care. You know, they're not going to prosecute you necessarily. Mm. So they do want you to be honest because trust me, if they're really interested in you. They got their own investigators. I'm they already not know a lot up. of the answers. They have private investigators mm-hmm. who do their own background research on players. I'm not making this up. I That's wish I was. That's why they ask those specific yeah. questions. They most wanna, likely, they a lot they of the time the question, they know. They know the answer already to the question, they or at least what they react. think the answer is to the question. So yeah, I mean it is. It's an investment for them, and they take it seriously, and they want to know like what kind of human True. being I'm dealing with. They know they're flawed. They'll have those guys in that room who are extremely flawed and probably have worse things on their resume than you do as a young man. But they just want to know, are you going to be real with me? Are you going to be honest? Are you contrite? Are you regretful about the bad things you've done? Are you ready to move on and be the best version of yourself in the NFL? Because if so, I want to invest in you if that's the case. And if you don't understand that about this big interview process, then we need to move the blank on because you're not the one. You know what I mean? Like if you come in there out of shape and so it's like, Mm -hmm. well, we don't need to worry about you because you're out of shape for the biggest interview of your life. So why would you be out of shape for that? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, why would you be why would you run your slowest 40 here when you have waited for this opportunity your whole life? Maybe it's not that important to you. So they do these grand prognostications based on these little micro moments. Each the of the last two years, Texas has had one guy at the combine that ends up being a polarizing guy in the draft process. Two years ago it was Holton Hill with the positive test. Yeah. And if there was Look, I mean, guys have tested positive at the combine before. We're going to hear about guys coming out of this combine that are going to test positive, whatever. But a guy in his situation who had served his suspension already had been suspended really by two different coaches. He had that weird, weird staggered six-game suspension with Charlie Strong and then the end of his his one year under Tom Herman. It's almost like, and this is no disrespect to Holton Hill, but it's almost like if you fail the drug test at the combine – you flunk the idiot test yep. because you know you're going to be tested. Mm-hmm. It's not a secret. Like, you no. show up knowing what the deal is. And, like, Rod, you talked to some of your people in NFL circles. There were teams that had second-round grades on him that just no, took him off the board. Him. I mean, he's long. He's athletic. He's rangy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was having an All-American year up until he was suspended uh, for Tom Herman. I mean, he was one of the All-American candidates, actually, <laughs> up until that time. I, I, and, I, and I agree with you 100%. What, what hurt? Houghton Hill, uh, which ends up hurting a lot of guys, is once you have that stigma attached to you, even coming into the combine, mm-hmm. and then you fail to overcome that at the combine, right? You fail to change people's minds about that. He actually reaffirmed mm-hmm. what was his, the biggest fear about Houghton Hill, and once you do people. that, you're off people's boards. Yeah, like some of you was like, oh, he's off the board. I don't even we don't need to worry about him. Like, cause see, I think the Panthers took their board from they had 155 players. They're going to try to get it to 120 players before the draft. So most teams will probably have somewhere around that number on their entire board before the draft. Just And then obviously as teams are, teams are drafting other guys, they take guys off the board and they say, hey, this is our top guy. This is the top guy at this position. This is the top guy at this position, whatever. This is our top guy at the need position that we have, all that stuff. Everybody's board consists of that. And, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for Houghton Hill that he's off that board because what happens is, what you understand is that the board always exists. Mm-hmm. So the board from the from the 2019 drafts exists in 2023. So when you are a free agent or something like that, they pull that file. They go, you know we had this guy as the best player available mm-hmm. in that fourth round and turns out to be a pretty good damn player. We were right about our evaluation because you got to keep up with your evaluations. Right. Yep. So they're like, no, we were right about our evaluation. Nope. He was a really good player. 
You know what I mean? And Jerry Gray knew that and made sure that with the so Vikings. And so can now when he's a free agent or whatever, or bless you, can we trade for him? Yeah. Can we trade? So, you, so that's why you got to keep your evaluate. The board always stays there. Once you make that board and you have those evaluations and those projections and, you know, point system or whatever, you keep that throughout the years. That goes in a, you know, a, a storage <laughs> facility and they go, they go back and get that when they need to and go, oh, you know what? Man, we actually had this guy really high up on our board. He just got cut. He yeah. just got cut. I don't know why the hell they well, cut him, that's where but we can pick him up. But that's only if you can keep them interested, right. all right, during that draft process. The, un- thing, the unfortunate thing about Houghton Hill, half the NFL team took him off their damn board. So even when something bad happens in Minnesota, they're going to be like, nah, he ain't on our board, man. So half the team's not even going to look at him. When Rod B got cut by hell, I got cut a lot. Uh, but, you know, traded by the Giants and cut by – the Lions and then cut by the Broncos and cut by the Bears. And I would like to think the reason I stayed around in the league, probably even longer than I should have, to make it five years was because I was still high up on a lot of people's boards. And they were like, dude, we had this guy really high up on our board. He was a good player. I don't know why they gave up on him, but let's see what we can do with him. Yeah, because then, like, you have that, like you said, the board or the Rolodex file on yeah, that player going forward. There. And that's where a guy like, say, Holton, it's going to be odd to see because, like, say, the new CBA does change. And now what was viewed as something that was going to get you in trouble, you're already tested for. And now, you, But you still sort of had, like, the character idea that mentally – he made this mistake early yeah. on. So even if even if the yeah. rules change to be advantageous to you, yeah. some teams could still not like your thought process behind totally what did. got you there. But in this odd current situation, quite advantageous possibly for Hill if he isn't going to be tested any further going yeah. forward. Because that's the only thing. It's the Josh kept, Gordons and the David Irvins of the world. And that's where Minnesota's right <laughs> like, oh, we got a replacement for, for Xavier Rhodes. And, like, you're already starting him multiple games yeah. this year. And it was like, and they got good value from him. But, no, then, totally but then Holden got the suspension this last year for the PEDs. I know. That's so, what I'm saying. Like, so he came back from that and started ahead of Xavier Rhodes. He took Xavier Rhodes' gets, job. It gets back to the point about the people who had him off their board. They're yeah, like, well, hell no, he shouldn't be on our board. Because it's like you right. said, yeah, you're you're uh, loosening and relaxing your restrictions on marijuana, which, I mean, good God. They were living in a Stone Ages. Only the NCAA is more antiquated about yes. their marijuana policy than the NFL, but I digress. Um, but still, like the Matt said, price. there are teams that are thinking of saying, listen, I know that it, it, in, in, in America right now, recreational marijuana is a movement and a phenomenon. I understand it. But that's beside the point. It was against the rules. Right. And you decided to Your go against process. the rules. Are you one of those guys who will violate rules and you because will. of your own selfish needs? Are right. you one of those guys? Because those kind of guys, I don't want on my team to get into match points. Last year, it wasn't that situation with Lil Jordan Humphrey, as we talked about. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody through the workout process take himself down notches to where he's completely out of the draft the way he did with just the mm-hmm. his combine was not great and then his pro day was it was one of the more bizarre pro day workouts I've seen at Texas since mm-hmm. I've been on the beat where he kind of works out as a tight end and then you figure it's on your campus with a guy throwing you the football you're comfortable with and you you said you didn't work on running routes but the flip side of that, Rod, maybe teams had grades on him and maybe Sean Payton ends up getting something out of him to where if you decide, hey, maybe we can claim this guy off a practice squad and you know, Sean Payton got something out of him, so now we can use him in this way because we saw him in a certain light coming out of the draft. We say all that to say this. I think you're starting to get an idea of where the four guys at the Combine for Texas, which are the four best draft-eligible prospects Texas has, 
presumably. I don't know if there. I don't think there's going to be a Jeff Swain situation where somebody we don't see getting drafted gets mm-hmm. drafted. But I think you're starting to figure out kind of where these guys are going to go. I think Devin Duvernay, and at the time we're recording this, guys have not run their 40s, so we'll see no. where he ends up running. But, right, I think Devin Duvernay is going to check so many boxes, and there's going to be a run on wide receivers in this draft somewhere, whether it's late in the first round, early in the second round, that I think Devin Duvernay is going to go in the third round. I I, I hear that's kind of his projection. I feel comfortable saying there's going to be a run at wide on wide receivers where somebody's going to be looking for wide receivers. There's going to be another run on guys, and I think it's going to be the Duvernays and maybe the Michael Pittman, even though Michael Pittman might be more of kind of a second-round type mm-hmm. guy. But I think Duvernay is going to be kind of in that second run on wide receivers that you see yeah. maybe late, late into the second round, into the third round. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. I think uh, he's going to run a great 40. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be four three. I think he said he was running four threes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he said running, it's going to be sub four four. When the guy's consistently running four threes, then uh, he'll be in the four three range. That'll lift his draft stock. I think this day and age, with what teams are doing with wide receiver, and ironically, I think my man my man Shano is kind of leading the way with what he's done with Debo Samuel. Which, by the way, Duvernay has met with the 49ers in this process. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I said it, you know, during the Super Bowl, I was like, no, Shano's going to love Devin Duvernay. That's why he drafted Jalen Hurd. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurd out of Baylor, who was a running back at Tennessee, Tennessee. and now it was a wide receiver at Baylor. Um, he's one of those guys, too. Shano likes those guys. That, basically, it's a throwback to um, kind of the wing back days of mm-hmm. – the uh, the wing T formation when your wide receiver when your wide receiver basically was a part of the backfield mm-hmm. and he wasn't in the backfield but he was lined up part right, of the run game part idea. of the run game essentially I ran the wing T in high school I don't know what the wing yeah, backs all yeah about. I mean yeah. that's what yeah it's basically that's what the wing back is and these guys I think Debo Samuel's in that group I mean you look at and Debo Samuel physically I think he's a Maybe a little bigger than Devin Duvernay uh, Duvernay met weighed in at two he was two fourteen at the combine last year okay yeah no see that makes sense to me. Um, and in the Super Bowl, what Debo said, we have three rushes for 53 yards, five receptions for 39 yards. I think a guy, I think Devin Duvernay wasn't utilized to that extent at Texas, but Debo Samuel wasn't utilized to that extent in South Carolina, in South Carolina either. He wasn't. Right. But you saw with his yards after the catch at South Carolina and, uh, that he was explosive and with his forced missed tackles and the return yardage that this is a guy that's really explosive with the ball in his hands. Yeah. And Devin DuVernay, Longhorn fans know it probably more than anybody, with the ball in his hands, that guy, I'm telling you, man, he can, he can make plays. So I think I'll give you a couple of stats about Devin DuVernay. So he had – 719 yards after the, uh, I think what 719 yards after the catch. That's more than AJ Brown had in college. Um, he uh, held Rundale Moore. I think had 892 With last Purdue. year, and he's he's and that's the number. He's the top guy in terms of yards after the catch. Nobody's Previous better than Texas him. commit. Yeah, he is the uh, he is the apotheosis of yak guy. But Devin Duvernay is right there at 719 yards after the catch. Uh, look at forced missed tackles. He had 23 forced missed tackles this year. Debo Samuel in college his last year had 21. So he's right there. Oh, by the way, Lil Jordan Humphrey had 26. Hmm. Lil Jordan Humphrey's a freak. Yeah. Um, if you look at yards after contact, different than yards after the catch, yards after contact, Devin Duvernay had 465 yards after contact. By the way, that is more than, hell, that was more than Tony Pollard had. 
<laughs> wow. When when he was getting yards of yards after contact, he I mean Devin Duvernay is he's a freak that's right up there. If he gets in the right system, oh, yeah. I think Devin Duvernay yeah. it fits perfectly into the slot wing T uh, kind of back offense that the NFL right now is starting to um, proliferate. Am I crazy thinking Devin Duvernay goes in the third round? No, I think you're right about that. Okay. And by the way, this they say this is the deepest wide receiver draft ever. But I will say this: We've said that this is the deepest wide receiver draft. It's going to continue every year. Well, more not ever. I will say they, we've said this is the deepest wide receiver. The wide receiver position is the deepest position in this particular draft at least five times in the last eleven years. And that's only since twenty ten. And it'll only trend. continue. It is the deepest position in football at the college or the pro level. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Hell, you could argue in, in in Texas at the high school level too. So that hurts Devin DuVernay. That's going to hurt Colin Johnson. What you've heard from the draft is nobody's going to draft a wide receiver early because there are so many good ones. Yeah. No, everybody's going to play the game of chicken with wide receivers, and they're going to say, hey, man, I'm going to load up on the good O-linemen, the good D-linemen, the good pass rushers, the quarterbacks, whatever. You might, I, even, you might even go get a running back if you if you really like J.K. Dobbins at the back so end of the many, first round. Exactly. There's so many good wideouts. You would think, like, oh, well, shouldn't they be drafting them early and often? That ain't really the way it works. It's so deep that mm-hmm. everybody figures, oh, there will be a really good wideout in the second and third round. I'll find, me a, I'll find Duvernay in the third round. People it's going to push Colin Johnson to, like, the fifth and the sixth your round potentially. Man, it's the same idea. Yeah. Most people play a fantasy football exactly right. draft, and it's like, well, you know, whenever you drop past, like you say, you're Mahomes or whoever's your top quarterback, well, then you got a lot of good guys. So, what's the difference between four and 10? Or what's the difference between 11 and 16? It's not much, but that's where if you are that separator and a guy like Duvernay that can be such a good fit and have the elite skill sets can be one of those guys that might be able to separate it. Because if you don't have a separator, then you are going to be one of those other guys that they're like, oh, but we can get this guy who we have graded out quite similar, but he's going to be available to us two rounds later. So it's just the unique skill set. And if he runs that 4-3 and then you see his hands and his yards yeah. after contact, and then it's go- there's always one that can jump above. But like the guy that you would think the measurables would be the Colin Johnson. That's a rare skill body well, in type. Well, a different era skill. of football Exactly. It was. So not, not in this era It's interesting to see yeah. how it's going to play, but – we got to also remember who is valuing these players in each team's own context in different – because not every team is going to be thinking the most modern way to use some of these guys. True, so it's a copycat one person league. can see it and be like, oh, my God, a, I'm in love. But it's and a copycat identify. league, and Shano has shown people a blueprint of how to use these yep. wing T guys. And as you He's know, in a copycat up, league, Belichick traded up everybody's going to be yeah. – like, You'll see those guys yeah. trade up to get the elite, and it's weird. It's like always these – Top tier SEC type like elite recruits like you only certain people and D- Duvernay has one of those type he of does, bodies yeah. that like is that. really underrated overall somehow even though he's coming out of Texas. Yeah. yeah. So Rod, you combine what you said and what I said. You know, I agree with you. Everybody's gonna go. You're gonna get your pass rusher, get mm-hmm. your quarterback, an offensive tackle, whatever. But there'll be a run. The like you said. There's there'll gonna be a run. run. It's gonna be. I don't know. It's about we, to start late in the first round. Yeah, we just don't know. We don't, we don't know, know where, where it is. Gonna happen, because if yeah. you look at mock, and people could take mock drafts or whatever they're worth, right? But if you start look, you look at most mock drafts, you start seeing that first group of wide receivers, and it's like C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, uh, Henry Ruggs is getting himself in that mix, right about. You know, probably 15, 16, somewhere like that. That's where a lot of the receivers in these mocks yeah. are starting to go. But then, like we said, anywhere from that point on 
could be the run on wide receivers, which is why it's a little bit tough to nail down where these Texas guys are going to go. But to because what? Because Matt said that somebody can fall in love with Colin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Somebody's been in love with him from the jump. Or, or, if that, or you know, hell, some, somebody could decide they really like C.D. Lamb. And it's it's kind of like yep. the quarterback draft with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, right? Mm-hmm. We thought those guys mm-hmm. were going to go at the back end of the first round. Well, the Chiefs move up and they get – well, I think it started with Trubisky. You trade up, yeah, Bears trade up, you know, Trubisky. Yeah, and yeah. then the Chiefs said, well, if we really like Mahomes, we got to go up and get him. Well, the Chiefs actually were going to draft Mahomes. Uh, that The GM, was it Veach? I believe it was Brett Veach. He says he was been he was obsessed with Mahomes even from that uh, Tech LSU bowl game. Right. Hmm. And he said ever since then he had been stalking Mahomes. He had been sending Andy Reid, like, videos of Mahomes. He, Andy Reid said literally I would tell him to stop. Like, hmm. I'm working. Hmm. Quit sending me videos of Patrick Mahomes. He would send him videos like, this guy's unbelievable. We're going to draft him. He's unbelievable. He's going to change football. Because apparently the GM was obsessed with Patrick Mahomes. He went to go see Patrick Mahomes at a, a game versus, I mean, maybe it was against his Iowa State or Kansas, some terrible team in the Big 12. <laughs> and he was the only, he said he was the only scout or whatever there. And Patrick Mahomes got hurt in the first half. And he was getting ready to leave because he was like, there's no way they're going to play Patrick Mahomes in the second half. And they played him anyway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, man, that's why I love this kid even more. He's tough. And he fell in love with him. But getting to the point that they were, the, the Chiefs were going to draft him number one overall. They were, they were happy when they moved up to get Mr. Trubisky. They were like, thank God they yeah. didn't get Mahomes. They don't, know, they don't know how good he is. Thank God for the that. RPO yeah. fooling. They, they said they were happy. Because, exactly. And, and, and the Texans, same way, Rick Smith, he was obsessed with Deshaun Watson. He yeah. had been going to Clemson games. And he became a so he's like, no, For the first time in Texans history, they moved up in the draft to go get a quarterback in right. the first round because he was so obsessed with Deshaun Watson Thank God Chicago was obsessed with the one quarterback in that draft who ended up being an underachiever in the first round. But like we said, there there could – we say all that to say this. There could be somebody in the top ten that decides – or some, maybe somebody that decides, you know what, we really like C.D. Lamb mm-hmm. and we're not going to get him where we're at. Yeah. And maybe then your trade partner is at nine. Well, now you've just screwed up the entire run of wide receivers and somebody might – like Buffalo – who needs a wide receiver might say, you know yeah. what, man, if we want Henry Ruggs, we can't wait to get him. We got to go up. We got to go see if we can go to right. 16, 17 to sure. get him. Who's going to be the Al everything? Davis and yeah. go after the Darius Hayward Bay? Because like he runs just a huge number. Yeah. It goes up so high, it jumps everybody on the board, and then now everybody's like, no, oh, well, that. now it's all off I don't kilter. know who it's going to be, but, yeah, some team's going to take a chance on the wide receiver. They'll get, they'll get antsy, get right. anxious. We talked about Colin Johnson, and Colin Johnson's not going to run at the combine. That's smart, by the way. It yes. is. That's smart. But it's also, it doesn't help him. No, because no, the, hurt him, though. Because the big— and You don't want to hurt yourself, <laughs> yes. and that's the main it's, thing. It, it might be about more not You're hurting right. yourself rather than helping because yourself. Because the big yeah. question with him was not even the speed, but you hear guys like Dane Brugler and guys that are really in tune with the draft process talk. A lot of teams are starting to question the medicals with him mm-hmm. because yeah, of the hamstring, yeah. and now he's got the hip flexor. Yeah. And where, where, did they have, where did the hip flexor come from, just working out? I guess I yeah, don't. Yeah, he never really said where. It, yeah, how it I don't happened. think I saw where it came. It must be working out. He must have been working out. I just saw his interview. Running doesn't make any yeah. sense either for that reason. I just saw his interview with Clarence Hill where he said he's not going to run. He's going to wait and do it at pro day. Which you combine Brandon Jones not being able to work out, Colin Johnson not running. But pro day at Texas, it, it, it's massive now. Uh, yeah, for those two guys. Yeah, um, I think you know for a guy like Malcolm Roach, actually, I think he'll actually increase his um, draft stock. And I don't, I don't know if he'll get drafted. Did you see what he weighed in at, though? No. What was 297. That's a lot. Okay, big. so somebody must have told him that they got you playing maybe interior D-line then in the NFL. 
Because you know, think about this, though. No, no, this is why that makes sense. That's awesome. Because the interior D-line in the NFL has changed, right? You want pass rushers, and they've been leaning towards under— <laughs> Aaron Donald. Of, yeah, exactly. You want undersized guys that can penetrate, right. but also be able to hold form at the point of attack in a hybrid, spread, pass-happy NFL. So instead of putting him on the edge where— his size and skill set become more of a liability because he's on the edge. You know what I mean? Then slow. guys are going to be able to get around him, put him inside. Then his agility is a strength. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if I can just bulk him up a little bit, hell, he should be able to hold his own. I mean, 297. That's still I, 13 pounds more than yeah, Aaron Donald. Like. You know what I mean? So if he can just bulk up uh, a little bit and then get his strength up, then maybe he can hold his own in terms of the, uh, the rush defense and being a run defender. But in terms of the passing attack, that's when he should be a, an asset. Yeah, you can be on the field. But nowadays, because yeah, you and mostly you be, pass, you'd be yeah. on the field two of your the three downs. You yeah. Maybe be situational for and him. It, I mean, it literally flips on these guys that you used to have to be an every down lineman. Or if you were in there, you were afraid about the run because it would be two of the three snaps. If you're getting to, trending towards a more pass-happy league, yeah. and now the dominant snaps are passing like, yeah. snaps, then it's more valuable maybe to have those type of guys. And then you can always go and, well, if we're allowed to say, up in, you're just going to run. It's mm-hmm. not a hurry up. Then we can get our run buck. Totally agree. In there. Yeah. And when you talk about Malcolm Roach, the best thing he offers is his versatility because exactly. he played every position in the defensive front yeah. in That's his it. career at Texas. Great point. And Rod, if you're even if it's a priority free agent situation, you're thinking, okay, if this guy even makes better. a roster, start at the five technique and go all the way down in situations he could play any of those shades. Any of those shades. Any of those shades. Three man front. Four man front. He gets to pick so two. So I'll just because I, like I, look yeah, at the fit for he, Holton Hill. Look at the pick for uh, L.J. Humphrey. Like those guys went to places that fit what they needed and were able to find good landing Honestly, spots. I thought the Patriots might like them. Yeah, I, I know it sounds I crazy, see. but the Patriots love versatile guys like that. Well, I could see it because I could see Malcolm Roach going into interviewing with the Patriots and him checking a lot of boxes for them. Oh, yeah. Coach's, coach's, coach's kid, multi-year team captain. Coaches are going to vouch for him. Weight room guy, workaholic. <laughs> right? Probably has Malcolm Brown like you know endorsing I mean? him. I, I, and I, like I said, and the Patriots love free agents, right? And like I said, I don't know if Malcolm Roach will get drafted. I don't. I actually think he may end up falling out of the draft. But I'm with you. I think a priority free agent, I think somebody somewhere likes him. And see, they Fort Worth saw Telegram. Clarence Hill had a little story on him. Yeah. And, and even Gil Brandt said, you know, scouts like him. He was invited to the Combine, even though maybe his resume didn't really reflect a guy that should have been invited to the Combine. I think some team's going to find uh, find a place for him, at least for a training camp, potentially even on their roster, because he takes the, he can basically – Manufacture depth for you. Mm-hmm. It's like four four different positions right. potentially on your D line. But you know what else? And this is something we talked about right around National Signing Day with the Alfred Collins situation with him picking Texas and, and Texas getting Vernon Broughton on campus for spring ball. This is also also you're getting kind of the Oscar Giles bump because now I think teams what? look at te- the the recent run of Texas defensive yeah. line and they say you know uh, we really undervalued Puna Ford and yeah. he's a starter in the NFL. Yeah. And we really undervalue Charles Amenahu. And he's a starter for the Texans on a really deep, talented defensive line. So I wonder, Rod, if front office people aren't looking at Malcolm Rome saying, you know what, if this guy played that many games at Texas and was that valuable, maybe we're missing something. Maybe we just need to bring him in and get a look at it. I agree with you on that. That's a really good point. Slow piping for tonight. Yeah. And when Mm -hmm. Puna left Texas, he was at 305. Oh, was he really? Yeah. Puna. But Puna's played, obviously, at that weight. You know, for not forever, but he's been around yeah. there for a while. With Malcolm Rose, the fluctuation. Mm-hmm. If I'm a scout, I don't know where. Okay, can you You're play right at that? Yeah, the strength with that 297. Is it a 
it is it a two ninety seven that's flabby, that's not explosive? Mm-hmm. I gotta see. So that's why the combine's big with him in those drills. Yeah. How does he that two ninety seven short space quickness? How do, yeah, those how do you things. look at how do you look at two ninety seven? Can you got BGO with that two ninety seven? Can you move around? If he can do that at two ninety seven, which mm-hmm. I think he can. Yeah, good Because we watch him at Texas. Oh, yeah, and the what did he come can... in at? Two fifty or something? He was in the probably mid two sixties, yeah. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't because he was like an outside linebacker. He was a stand up outside in. linebacker for yeah. Charles Strong. So yeah. he and he's always kind of carried the weight well. I've never thought of him as like a speed guy. He's just great at taking on blocks as short short area quickness as Matt brings up. So how do you carry that two ninety seven? That's gonna be big for him. So the combine for him is uh, I mean, you could argue it's everything. It's yeah. everything. Yeah. His prospect page on two four seven said it was six three two seventy. Whenever okay, so he came out. in at two seventy. Yeah, I just so, remember, I remember talking to uh, a member of the, the that Charlie Strong staff. You know, when they were getting some of these guys in and talking about Malcolm Roach, I'm like, well, where do you think he fits in? And I remember the coach telling me like. Hell, we think he could grow into a defensive tackle. Like, we Whatever. have no idea I where. I remember his, you saying that. Right? Actually. We have no idea where his body's going to go. I remember that uh-huh. conversation. Yeah, and you, <laughs> he ended up growing into a D tackle. Yeah, hey man, look at Corey Redding. Yeah, yeah. you know Corey Redding was a, Corey Redding came in as an outside linebacker. And D, he's sense. a D tackle when and he left the D-tack. NFL as a thirty-four year old D, and he was a big one. And I think he had a different NFL. He becomes kind of a. Caleb on Chase on, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a different NFL, but it was a it was a different league. I, you know, exactly. Right. We talked about it with guys like like Jackson Shipley was one of those guys. And Jackson Shipley got a year or two, I think, on a on a practice. Cardinals. Squad. I yeah. Thought, yeah. Malcolm Roach is gonna be one of those guys that it's gonna be really hard for a team to cut him. Exactly. I agree with you. I totally He's a good agree scout team guy. Perfect yeah. scout team guy. He is a great that's a great point. He's a great scout team guy, but also can manufacture depth. Uh-huh. If there's any special teams at all that just needs a little girth and size and athleticism, you can throw them on there and that's every special teams unit. Uh yeah, I'm with you. I think it'll and that you know what? That's why I think he'll bounce around. Even if he doesn't make a roster, Several teams will give him a shot. We, and we that's talked the about game evolving towards him. Like PJ Tucker wasn't in the NBA for like five years. Amen. Like people forget about that's it. Great point. He was at Greasy. He was a three. He came around, and then point. like I remember being so happy seeing him with the Suns. And be like, oh, PJ's back in the league. And then like it's evolved to the point that he's playing thirty-eight minutes a night he's at the center. Most, he, he argued he's the most necessary player for the Rockets <laughs> over Westbrook. <laughs> oh, or yeah, I'm sorry. What they're small balling. What, they're what they need to do. They need him. Like he, he wasn't even he, in the league. He has the biggest responsibility out of all those guys. So the way he's that the plays center when he's basically a freaking so forward. the way the league's evolving towards like the d lineman more like a roach yeah. receivers more like duvernay they're lucky that. to have the draft be on that evolutionary step they aren't like say true. a decade ago and you they got no shot out. they got no shot at yeah. all that's yeah. a i agree with you 100 on that nah. Ty- tyreek hill a decade ago <laughs> yep. is like i don't know what we're gonna do with this guy you know what i mean and it feels like no, that's no, why no. i love sproles like sproles making it was so cool to see it's like no we can find a niche a smart now, quarterback now a every smart team's got Exactly. Now, every team's got a Sproles. Yes. Every team literally has one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And back, back then, it was back like in the day, it was just guys. Dave Meggett was a specialist or turn guy. <laughs> faster than everybody, but he can't get him the ball, but he's fun as hell to watch. Oh, man. We, we've yeah. said yeah. this, Rod, about a few of these Texas guys, and some of them we've been right about. <laughs> uh, we said Adrian Phillips was probably going to be one of those guys that was going to be really hard for a team to cut because of his ability, like we said, to manufacture depth in your secondary. Coach Keenan said he played every position in the secondary. <laughs> uh, we said the same thing about Caleb Blewett. It turns out it didn't work work out for Caleb Blewett. Yeah, he went to Jacksonville, in, in, I think, for a little yeah, while. Or in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, but we said the same thing last year about Andrew Beck and Calvin Anderson. Like, those guys just check so many damn boxes that when you yeah. get down to make a good, like, somebody 
an old line coach, especially a coach, like somebody's going to go to bat for one of those guys. Yep, I agree. And, and and probably to convince the head coach, all right, we'll give him a practice squad. So, and look, both those guys ended up being active roster players as yeah, rookies. Yeah, no question. And no, Andrew, 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 both of them with Denver. Success story and, and Calvin Anderson goes – Gets cut by the Patriots, yeah. like you said. He like, it, and Malcolm Rose could end up having one of these similar paths. Like you said, bouncing around is not a bad mm-hmm. thing. PJ Cal- Locke did that. Calvin Anderson gets cut mm. by the by the jet by the Patriots. He goes to the Jets. Yeah, gets on the practice squad. The Broncos pick him up Duke on the Thomas active roster. Thomas had that kind of that route. Duke Thomas was in the XFL guys. now. Yeah, Duke Thomas. Is he in the XFL? Uh, I he was think in Duke Thomas AAF. is on the XFL was roster. That? I haven't heard of Duke no, Thomas. No, he was in being... the AAF. I know he's that. He's in the AAF. Yeah, Sorry, but, but yeah, Gerard Hurd was in the Oh, XFL. he just got cut, too. Oh, did? Well, he had a very got, bad showing returning released. punts in week one. I think one. he just got released, Yeah, week one, actually. he muffed two that. punts within like the, the one that uh, Pat McAfee screamed. He's like, what are you doing? It was hilarious. The AAF stood for Duke Thomas, though, got him another shot with the Vikings. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that kind of route, hell, the Rod B route. I mean, what do you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you just, I mean, you, and I didn't, I never XFL's found a home. For these but kids too. if you could find, if you could bounce around, just find, you know, that home, that place. I mean, you never know. You could be that guy. Adrian Phillips early on, like you said, he was, he was that too. So Adrian Phillips was like four, four practice years to squad. catch on. Yeah. Practice squad, you know, off cut. Trey release. Hopkins is a guy that was practice Trey squad, Hopkins. active roster, practice squad, active yeah. roster. Twenty million. Yeah. You just got to find that. You got to find your right place, man. You you'll know, find it. If you can stay healthy, you'll find it. We're going to get through this draft process, and we're going to get through the first round or two, and you'll see everybody firing off their hot tags. Oh, Texas doesn't have mm-hmm. guys going in the first round. It's been so long. Like, yeah, and my you immediate response is, well, have you watched college football the last 10 years and seen what's going on in this program? Like, there aren't a lot of high-caliber guys coming out. Well, but, that's the problem, though, right? Right. But it just – until further notice, Texas, as you, Rod, you coined the phrase a few years ago, and I love it. It has become the bargain bin for NFL teams. Like you're it. gonna, you're gonna every draft, you'll find you a guy at Texas, mm-hmm. whether he's a guy like Malcolm Roach, that's been a self-made guy, or a guy like Marcus Johnson. Be like, you know what? That guy was really highly recruited, and, and look, he ran in the four threes at his pro day. Like, wh- what did they do wrong? Mm-hmm. Like, let me bring this guy in. Maybe there's something, yeah, you know, something they're missing that they they couldn't cultivate. I'll cultivate it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I fear that I think three of these four will be drafted. Listen, if Colin Johnson runs a slow time, there's a chance he could fall out of the draft too. If he runs a slow time, there's I, a chance. That's why I, it, it's imperative. And I think he said he's gonna he's four or five ish is where he's thinking. He, he's he said four, four fives. fives. If he runs outside the four fives and the four six, he said he's hand timed in the four fives. That's good. If he runs mid four six to high four six, there's a good chance with the depth in this wide receiver draft. Not insulting to Colin Johnson. I think Colin Johnson's an NFL wide receiver. I think he's an NFL wide receiver, and I've been thinking that ever since Look I first saw him. Look what the time happened to Humphrey yeah, no last question. year. Um, dropped him out. Of and it. I'd, I'd, I'd be, all, and I think I, I said this about Lil Jordan Humphrey. We all did. I'd mm-hmm. love for him to come play for my team yeah. <laughs> and make our team as an undrafted free agent. But Lil Jordan Humphrey ended fit. up with the Saints. But if he runs a slow forty time, he's then I, I think he's going to drop out of the draft. Because it's too deep for wide receivers right now, and what he sells is the six six frame, and he's got some. and he's a specific skill guy. Like, and it's a specific skill guy. He's basically your he's your he's your yeah your big body rebound traditional. traditional you know possession wide receiver. Nothing wrong with that, but you've got to be able to prove t- to them. 40 time equals separation. That is not always the case. I think the art of route running is creating separation. That's why some guys who run a 4-7 four, four, like Lil Jordan mm-hmm. Humphrey can create separation better than, hell, Devin DuVernay who runs a freaking 4-3. Yep. All right? He's like, how does that happen? Like, well, it's about route running. And we know Devin DuVernay, not a great route runner. All right? And, that, and that's part of it. But I think for Colin Johnson, I don't think he is going to get the respect of 
the film, which is justified, because his film is, I think, legit. Right. He's not going to get that respect for that film if he doesn't run a decent 40. Can I give you this quote that I think sums up what we're talking about with Colin Johnson? It's a quote by Bruce Arians that was attributed to him in his interview with the Combine, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks head coach. Said talking about combine oh, workout wonders. Yeah, you might run a four three, but your tape says you're four six. You might run a four six, but your tape says you're four four. The tape don't lie. The combine lies. You can fall in love at the combine and get your ass broke. Yeah, amen. Don't fall in love yeah. with just the numbers. There's a lot yeah. of depth to it in the mental recognition. Which is why the Rams element. are not even sending their coordinators to the combine this year. They're like, dude, I mean, why are we sending? We watch send it, guys all to the same the stuff players. on the internet. Yeah, get the medicals. That's what we want. All the other stuff, we'll send you the results. Like, why do you have to come here and watch it? You'd be, you'd be better served watching the film of these players. Yeah. We'll send you the 40 time. We'll send you the 5-10-5, all that kind of stuff. And then see if you can sync that up with the film and go, okay, now, that's why I think Devin DuVernay, if you're doing both, if you're taking the the raw uh, translation, the raw data from the combine and with the film, I, I start salivating over Devin DuVernay. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. Like, and that, because he can fit so many different things. <laughs> yeah. And a guy like, say, Colin Johnson, when you just look at what teams like – just from his he's compartmentalized. There's yeah, there's like yeah. ten teams that may be able to, be, to really him. envy him because yeah. oddly you can sit there and be like, well, isn't he a great red zone threat? It's like yeah, but when you mm-hmm. think about red zone packages, it's like give me that tight end from Iowa State because he can block, he can flex out, he can get the yep. mismatch. Amen. Colin Johnson can't do that. He has to be an outside type receiver. It now it'd be cool if he could evolve and somehow be a Larry Fitzgerald slot, but that's nothing uh, near his he's capabilities. Far from that right now, yeah. Exactly. So you need a team like. Like, say, the Bills, who need a possession-type receiver, a big body that an arm can find. But there are very few of those because otherwise a guy like a Shanahan or, like, even, say, the Rams, they don't necessarily have a spot to make him fit totally within agree. the framework of the offense. Yep. So just your skill set makes even you – Even the Kansas City Chiefs So then you that, can yeah. become a guy that can be adept to a roster. But yeah. if you're talking about how then your draft value – that puts you in there in that group of a lot of guys with one specific. So, but it puts totally you together agree. that you aren't separating, which really is totally weird. A decade ago, Colin Johnson, he'd be way higher than Devin Duvernay. He'd be drafted two or three rounds higher than he's going to be drafted. Totally agree. In, in the age of bunch formations, condensed formations, yeah. uh, slot wide receivers. I think they, the, the slot wide receivers targeted in the NFL now more than any other wide receiver. It's a different day and age. Could Colin Johnson, though, Rod, could he benefit – and I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, could he benefit from the fact that when you go back and look at mock drafts really the last two years, mm-hmm. there's got to be a reason why so many people had him going in the first round. In I know. Draft. I, I have the mock draft too. I can and, go back and get him down. And regardless of what the time is, when you get sixth, seventh round, if he falls that far, couldn't somebody just be like, look, somebody had a first round grade on this guy at some point. Let's just take a flyer on him in the sixth round. I totally agree. No, I was going to say, I think he's an NFL wide receiver. I, I The draft and the combine are different monsters than the, actually making a training camp roster and training camp in actual football. So I think he's an NFL wide receiver. I think when he goes out there and has to make contested catches in a training camp against DBs, and those crazy catches that we always see him make on the sideline yeah. and, and the catch race, they'll go, okay. <laughs> Same thing with the Sean Payton saw Lil' Jordan Humphrey. He was like, okay. That's all I need to see. He's good. And the second he gets cut, somebody else is going to be like, I'll take that risk, but I'm not going to pay the value to draft him. Draft is about value and uh, and the combine. Hell, I don't know what the hell a combine is about. It's the Underwear Olympics. (laughs) You know what I mean? So they're different priorities. It's from the NFL camp. Can you beat that guy one on one? Yes, Colin Johnson can. If you throw him, if you throw the ball in the right spot, he can get it. 
I'm not saying he'll always be open, but he makes great contested catches and things like that. So, as I say, I'm not worried about him making a roster whether he's get drafted high that 40 time. Unfortunately, even I agree, even though I agree with Bruce Arians, it's gonna make or break your your draft stock. Yeah. It sucks, but that's just the truth. Uh, Brandon Jones, Rod, you thinking probably that fourth, fifth round range for him? Yeah, I gotta go and see how deep the uh, the safety. Uh, position is. I don't think it's that deep. I think the cornerback position may be even deeper than the safety position yeah. this year in the draft. So we'll go see. The safety position, this is why I like Brandon Jones, and I've, I've talked to some NFL scouts, and this is what they love about him. They think that for a safety, he covers really well. Right. That's why he played him at nickel. He, he's mm-hmm. got great coverage ability as a safety. What he doesn't do necessarily as a safety, he's not a great middle field. doesn't track the ball well. Ball skills are not there. Right? So he's just tracking the ball, not great. Not you, good for draft value. As a safety. Yeah. But if you're going to play him just as a DB yeah. and put him out there in your DB pad, hell, the Chargers are playing six, think, seven DBs at exactly. times. They got DBs playing all over the damn nickel, field. Yeah, it. you can play nickel. You can play the dime. You can play all kind of plays. They got their slots. They got their uh, – they're playing three safeties at one point. One of their safeties come down potentially to be a linebacker. And I think Brandon Jones is a, a decent tackler. I don't think he's a great tackler. I think he's a good tackler. And I think that can improve in the NFL. But he covers well, and this is a passing league. I think that is a what we say about Andrew Beck. What you know, you got to. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing you can do that is considered elite or, or really good, right? What's yeah. your great skill set? I can go. That guy does that pretty well, as well as any safety at his or any guy at his position. I think Brent Jones is a really good coverage safety. But you got to put him in a position like say that's your guy. It's cat defense. This is your guy. Cover him, Brandon Jones. Brandon Jones will cover that guy. Remember, he did really good, even in the LSU game. He's actually the best coverage defender against the best offense in the nation. It was Brandon freaking Jones making plays on the ball, but in coverage as a nickel. But as a safety, tracking the ball, sometimes he would be Casper the friendly ghost. You wouldn't even write. You're like, where the hell is Brandon Jones? Is he around? Where is he? Yeah. He doesn't track the football wheels of safety. So if I'm a scout, that's what I look at. But, man, I, if I, I want my safeties covering, covering tight ends who are – taking another step in the NFL this year's matchup advantages. Same thing with slot wide receivers. I think there's a place in the NFL for Brandon Jones because he can cover that slot. That is tough to do, I can tell you, as a guy who used to do it. But they're not going to use him as a guy that plays back in, a, in, 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 in man help coverage or man free or even in cover three to, cover three to play the middle field because I don't re- – what's the last time you saw him track a football? Michael Griffin style, nasty Nate, Nathan Vasher yeah. style, Earl Thomas style. Or even where Stern they're throwing style. It, they're no. throwing it out to the sideline. It's Brandon Jones tracking it, uh, knocking it away. That's not you what know, he does. That's not what he does. Nope. No, not what he but does. If, but a, a decade <laughs> but ago, mean, he may, he would be even more diminished. But in the modern NFL, yeah. so it's like his value is higher. The what team is like, oh, no, in our system, yep. too, we need a safety that can just cover and that can tackle. We're not going to ask him to play middle field or track the ball, and you so we're good. you right there to saying that he yeah. can play nickel, and that's the thing that I've even heard some people talking about the last year or two that finally is being coveted. It used to somehow be something that was viewed like negative, like this guy is a niche. It's like, no, mm-hmm. if this guy can cover and can be against any slot no matter who you switch on like that's something that is should just be getting more valued even though it's still undervalued in the NFL game then there's uh man have you heard the story about Brandon Jones watching all the NFL film yeah watching all 32 teams as defenses in the <laughs> yeah. so he's a football nerd eh? he's a football nerd and he's a like I said football theorist I love guys like that Smart. Um, get it out there too and I, and I wonder if he if he's kind of figured out what his niche is by watching NFL films and going, hey, I can, I can do that. I can yeah. do that, but I pro, I'm not really good at doing this. So I wonder if he's kind of figured out what his value is in the NFL and what his place is by doing so much in-depth research. I think that's more of him. I think that's a byproduct of it, Rod. Okay. I think the actual act of him doing that is 
him going through the labrum surgery and realizing, you know what, I'm going to the combine. I'm not going to be able to work that work out. He's that probably think, he's probably thinking reps. I can't just show up yeah. empty handed. You got to show up with something. I got to have the you got in, in the Shows interview process. The yeah. interview process is the only area where he can leave an impression. And if he go, if he goes to meet, if he's meeting with the Falcons, the Bears, mm-hmm. and the Chiefs, yeah. he can go on at least knowing something about the defensive scheme for all three of those teams. Yeah, you know. So I think that's just what he looked at, and and if he figured out that shows you a lot. You can go in there and start talking ball with these these, these ball coaches. Yeah. Trust me, yeah. get on that dry race it. board, dude. They do. They they love it. They will they will sit back and soak it up all day. They want you on that dry race board. They want you can go in there and tell them something about their defense that mm-hmm. you recognize. Mm-hmm. That's like going into an interview with a company and you telling them how you can help solve their, their issues. biggest issues or what their, their issues are as a company. I think that that is a hell of a strategy if he's like doing you're it. You're getting he's paid to do guy. it, and you're that interested yeah. in what we're and doing. It took you that little bit of time to figure out what we've been talking about in our meetings for a well, year we're and a half. Trying to figure out these yeah. systemic. That's laws. pretty good. And he was kind of a at Texas. He was he admitted he was kind of a film rat. You know, he was one oh. of the guys that would. I love those guys. Start too. like Sunday night, Monday morning. Film junkie. Getting mm-hmm. early, getting, we I used to throw film watching on. parties, man. We throw film watching parties and just watch film and eat pizza. Heard Shanahan talking things. about it before the Super Bowl. <laughs> Him and Sims yeah. sat down and were talking about y'all sessions. Oh, just man. Sitting just watching. Like, and we do offense and defense. We build. Mm-hmm. We both take turns kind of watching the game. And hell, man, it take us six, seven hours to watch one game. What we get back to rewinding and breaking stuff down. But it was, it was awesome. It was just you know. So I, I remember those days of being a football junkie. I think that helps Brandon Jones' stock. I'm glad you brought that point up. For those film watching parties, was that you stealing chicken fried steaks from the? <laughs> From the training table. Usually, Sims would uh, fit the bill. <laughs> uh, I mean, he fit the bill for the for the pizza and the, the you know, I mean, the 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 film watching night or whatever it is. So they're not banking Wait, on. Williams they're not banking on. They're not banking on Rod B to. <laughs> not banking on Rod B to make sure he got the styrofoam box with nah, the chicken trust fries. Me, you didn't, yeah, you didn't want to depend on me. I was broke as a joke then. I'm still pretty <laughs> broke, but not as a joke. <laughs> Rod, is there anybody else in this Texas draft class aside from the four guys at the combine that you think is going to have a chance to make a roster? Oh, oh man! Um, remind me if I'm missing guys. Let me just think off the top of my head. All the seniors. There's not that many that of coming them coming out. Yeah, because there mean, aren't a ton, right? Zach Shackelford. Ooh, Shaq was high. I know he's high up on a lot of people's lists. I he wasn't invited to the combine, which was, which was uh, kind of surprising considering he's been a starter for what close to three four years. years? All four the way years. Through. All four that years? was surprising. That he was a four year starter, not invited he's to the combine. Quick, like right? to exhaust his yeah. entire yeah, career you know that I mean? quickly. Yeah. Um. So that was surprising. He's a guy, though, I could see end up, you know, making some making some moves. Being a t- he's got so much film out there that I can see a team being interested in uh, Zach Shackelford. Well, and you can benefit from, like, a Cosme. And they're watching film on a Cosme and be like, hey, wait, I like this guy yeah. doing these things within the framework. And you're right. We don't have a lot of guys uh, in this class. Not that I can think of. Parker Braun. Mm, nah. <laughs> Jeffrey McCulloch. Mm, no. Nah. <laughs> was there anybody in the secondary? As I was saying, like I, we don't have a lot of guys this year that have a shot to, you know, make it as an undrafted free agent, or you know, we'll see at the pro day because guys always step at the pro day and they may have a, you know, they may have a really good workout and turn some heads. But right now, I don't think any of those. Are, like I said, I, I think Malcolm Roach is probably going to go undrafted. Yeah. So there's no way I think Jeffrey McCulloch's going to turn enough heads to get drafted into the NFL. No, I'm, I'm not saying get drafted. Oh, but I'm even make a roster guys, or have yeah, a shot. Can they get a training I think Zach Shackelford may have a shot. A guy that can start four years at UT. I don't know Texas is not great these days. 
But still, man, that's hard to do. I trust me as a guy who started three. It's hard to do to keep your job that long at center. You must, you know what I mean? You got some some skins on the wall. The center's one of those positions that I think almost if you're good enough at that position, I think you're you're going to get a camp invite just because it's you, can, so you re- can eat up reps. Exactly. Look at Lyle Sinland. Like he goes from being like not even you know thought of as an, an NFL prospect to just being able because you are like a you know an ex lineman son and you mm-hmm. are a guy that gets the invite pedigree. because of the pedigree and then proves your worth and it's a specific skill and he plays center and ends up at the next year like they're yeah. in the Super Bowl and you got Lyle Sinline like playing seven, a decade. Eight years, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, seven, eight, yeah, right. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Shackelford's a guy I can see somebody taking a flyer I on and say, bring him in as a training camp body and mm-hmm. maybe, look, I mean. You know, I can even see him on a practice squad for some team. Uh, because, Rod, right, everybody yeah, needs offensive linemen. I mean, so, centers? Like, Patrick Vahe mm-hmm. last year was one of those guys that, you know, got, a training camp invite just yeah. to say, hey, we just yeah, need the 49ers a- ended up with their backup center this year starting the Super Bowl. No, I'm with you. You all, a center? A center's like, no, I always need a center. And yeah. that's your sin line, yeah. undrafted free agent in 07. He retired after the 2015 years. So, like, that's nine years <laughs> that's as an crazy, undrafted man. lineman that yeah. because you know what you're doing. If you can learn how to snap and be able to deal with – I mean, because think about that. Not only are you doing something and then blocking Aaron Donald, like how hard it is to be a center in the NFL, like that – that's something you can't the, even fathom. The one thing you always have working for you if you're an undrafted free agent or you're drafted really low in the NFL draft and it works, like you're actually you're a good player, they prefer you right. over the guy they got to pay a lot of money to. <laughs> right? right? Like once they once Puna Ford proved he can play, like we prefer Puna. He's cheap. Yeah. He's cheap, and we got it for like three or four more years. Starter that we can unlock, and you know what I mean. Yeah. So if Salary you can prove league. you can play, then the odds start shifting in your favor because they want that undrafted free agent or that low draft prospect on their roster to get those reps because that means they got more money in the salary cap to build the other rest of their team and pay the other big name guys. And even when it comes time to pay you, like Malcolm Brown at running back is a perfect example. Exactly. Of when it comes time to air quotes pay Malcolm Brown, and he's eating like. Point five percent of your cap, nothing. You know yeah. what I mean? Because basically, he's been getting less than nothing, scraps and pennies on the dollar. All right, let's give him a couple of nickels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's what it comes yeah. down to. And Puna's gonna be the same way. I mean, yeah. and Puna's gonna get paid, but considering where his starting point was, you know, that's I mean, like yeah. where Trey Hopkins was that, and then he finally proved finally his get, worth and had the end three for, for twenty and probably his fourth year. His or fourth year. Yeah. So then, you, once you earn that second contract, then you maybe get then serviceable get NFL time. And Trey Hopkins just finished his sixth year. There you go. So he had Trey Hopkins Five. as an undrafted free agent had to get six years Put in, that work in to get. To get those, that's, those multi, millions, that's millions of guaranteed money. Million dollar deal. Yeah. And while I Googled this, I pulled it up. Here's the exact quote from Sinline. He's like, I had about 20, 25 teams called to check my status, but my agent and I felt Arizona would be a good fit. And just having that power as an undrafted free agent, it's crazy. But, like, it's weird you know in the sports big, yeah. system in the way that we look at jobs. Anywhere else in the world, you're 18 or you finish college, you can go get a job. You're at the top of your field. You get to choose where you go, mm-hmm. awesome place. And oddly, in the sports infrastructure, we're so used to aligning with the you know management over just the everyday person the labor, yeah. that then we just are like oh well no you don't get the right being the best in the world at what you do to choose where you go we're going to tell you where you go where it's actually being the 240th one give some power to the 240 and below to actually fit, go where it fits and maybe land somewhere not dig depend upon something beyond their control yeah so, in the time we've got left on this week's show, I want to talk about the draft, but talk about the 2021 draft, which, right, if you're looking at a draft that could be the next one where Texas has guys that are in the first-round discussion, it's going to be the 21 draft. Interesting. 
DBs? Be, yeah, because you've got some of those guys in that 2018 recruiting class that, DBs. as hard as it is to believe, like Caden Stearns, Jalen Green, B.J. Foster, those guys will be draft eligible after this season. That is pretty crazy, actually. <laughs> um, I Right now, mm, I know. Any, obviously, that could be a Deshaun Elliott-type leap, you know what I mean, that Deshaun Elliott year, and he left as a junior, correct? Yeah. So I can see that happening for Caden Stearns. Caden Stearns, the ceiling yep. is so high for Caden Stearns that – He's been dealing with he dealt with the injuries at the end of you know uh, 2018 and then dealt with injuries this year too, so it's really tough to gauge whether he's going to be on that type of path. But mm-hmm. I could totally see him having the same year he basically had as a freshman, and then him deciding I'm out. <laughs> and I'm yep. like, yep, you know. And his mean? measurables are going to be as almost as good as anybody. Yeah, and his measurables will be amazing because he's long, he's ranging, he's athletic. Uh, B.J. Foster, I could. Mm, it's going to be tough for me. I got to see him in this new Chris Ash system and how they're going to utilize B.J. Foster. I think B.J. Foster could be a huge weapon in terms of his versatility in this Chris Ash system. But if you don't weaponize him, then uh, I've seen his faults. I've seen the liabilities in B.J. Foster's skill set, and you can take advantage of him. Yeah. You can. And I wonder if teams are going to do – because teams did that last year. If they do that this year – then he's not going to have stock high enough to be considered an early NFL draft pick. And I think for both of those guys, how much of their shortcomings were their own issues? How much scheme. of it was injuries? Or injuries. Scheme and injuries. Could yeah. be both. I mean, we just, you just fired been the DC. A, so. <laughs> and then the rest of the DBs all got hurt. It, it so could it have been a, worse. It could have been a toxic soup of ineptitude that didn't allow those guys to flourish. Could be. Yeah, the guy I think Rod that has the best chance of those guys, especially in this system, and given the way football is being played now, where you know you're putting bigger guys on the outside and you need guys to go contest catches, I think Jalen Green's a guy that could play himself into where he's got to make a decision after the year. Interesting. Oh, I can be, see. I could. That'd be awesome. That'd be good for that, Texas. He makes that kind of lead. He's that because good. who was? What was the one? Who was the one guy Jalen Green had real issues with last year? And maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but the one guy he had real issues with last year was Jamar Chase. LSU, I would say, yeah, LSU. Well, now every, everybody's watching film with yeah. Jamar Chase and being like, hell, he's going to be the first receiver taking in next year's yeah. draft. He, I would say the LSU he beasted game. everybody. So if you're, Jay, if you're Jalen Green starting your second game, there's really no shame in getting getting mossed by Jamar Chase over and over. Yeah. No, I can see. That's when usually a cornerback takes uh, the next step is from their sophomore to their junior year. That's when I did it. I think that's when you usually see a lot of corners, the lights start to go off for them. Now, it is a new system, but I, the way I have studied the new system, I think the cornerbacks are in a position to thrive in the new system. Um, but especially a guy as physical as Jalen Green because yes. his big stature. I think it actually – Yes, long, rangy. I think the system actually is compatible with his type of mm. skill set. So, yeah, I could see that, and that would be awesome, man. If you could, Basically, I mean, he'd, he'd be a shutdown corner for Texas then in that sense. If he takes that kind of leap, yeah. that'd be huge for Texas if they Look, can get the, that. Oh, on top of on the other side, Deshaun Jameson being a ball-hawking corner, that'd be awesome. The biggest kind of stamp of approval Jalen Green has gotten in my time following him, and he was a guy that, as a sophomore in high school, I just I watched him. I was like, I- I'm in love with the way that guy plays the game. Mm-hmm. And I went and watched him that spring, sophomore year, going into his junior year, and I can share this because I don't think it matters at this point. I watched him work out at Houston Heights right next to Dwayne Aquina. Like, Dwayne Aquina and I are standing side by side watching Jalen Green work out. Nice. And the godfather. Stanford's one of those schools that, look, you can't offer until you get the transcript and look at it because it's just a different deal with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't care. Let's just say Dwayne Aquino really liked what he saw from Jalen Green that day. Mm. 
And that to me, I was like, well, if I like him, me liking him is one thing. Yeah. But if Dwayne Aquinas liking this guy a whole hell of a lot, he's a real deal. And making the kind of comments throughout the workout that leads you to believe he's liking what he's seeing, <laughs> then yeah. Jalen Green's legit. Coach Akita commentary. I bet it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout the whole it's, thing. It's a, it's a trip, man, watching him from afar and then yeah. getting to like watch him, you know, study prospects up yeah. close. It's how long did you have to sit down and watch him for? Oh gosh, man. We were out there the whole time. He was uh, probably right. a good forty five minutes or an mm, hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. No, no, I mean, I'm with you on that. I agree. It was kind of like how Cliff Kingsbury was about quarterbacks at one point. It was like, hey, if that guy's recruiting a quarterback, mm-hmm. you recruit that guy too. I remember when they said um, that he was recruiting Shane Boucher. Was it Shane Boucher he's recruiting? Yeah. And I was like, yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yes. If Cliff Kingsbury wants him a quarterback, so do I. Uh, so I agree with you. If Coach Akina is giving him a stamp of approval, then I, did not, I don't think you've told me that story. That's That to me means a whole lot Even more. makes you feel better. But. Yeah, that means I may be voting like you, Jeff, that he may be my breakout boy. That, that was the day where uh, we were actually talking about you, Rod B, and that's when Coach Akina told me, he's like, you know what? He's like, if I've got one guy in a man-covered situation, I might just have to go with Bayward. <laughs> so that's why we never got the Jalen Green story. My man. I, and I, I know he's BSing, but I appreciate it. I love my man, Nikita. Yeah, the Thorpe Award candidates, he wouldn't take them, but I appreciate it. But he said, he, in, he in your defense, he said a name, pure man-coverage situation. That is true. I will say that I was a technician that that, that studied man coverage. Like I, That was my expertise, was man bump-and-run man coverage. And recently, and I don't said, know, he, a year or two ago, it popped up on my feed, some former player was looking at film and it was oh, an ben old tape Wells. and it was yeah. literally your tape ben still being one yeah, used there. It out there but you just brought up something that when it you said that's it, why I like Jalen Green though so he, he plays he actually starts, tries to get a bump and yeah. sorry, sorry you man. brought it no no yeah. it's about Jalen Green and you brought up the idea that you can literally go and look at the systems and we we never knew passing games and how they worked in the 90s until like mm-hmm. people were fooled by yep. passing numbers and the different ways to get there and the different ways to use them and the same thing works with defenses but it's something that's never really discussed in how much one player's role on a defense oh, yeah. can be that advantageous to say other roles to where like a guy like say Richard Sherman can get ragged on even though he's so vital to what the rest yeah. of the other 10 do totally agree. and then that also like in the same way that D linemen are used the way linebackers work with D linemen and the way that numbers and production comes out and like how you just you know mentioned in passing how like certain systems like this one may be more advantageous for corners but like that stuff wasn't always examined even at the highest levels of NFL so you could end up having guys like Tim Couch go first overall because they don't even know what they're seeing That's true. in 99. And, like, it that. happened that way for a long time. And, like, it, the air raids really helped people understand the different uh, ways that you can create yards and actually realize that, now there's a multitude of factors. And look yeah. at what Belichick's done with running backs and tight ends. And it's just something that is never talked about on that defensive side. No, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I wanted to get to that discussion and take it over to the offensive side of the ball, and this will kind of bleed into we'll get a head start on next week's show here at the end, if you will. I wanted to talk about draft-eligible guys because the one guy we haven't talked about yet is the one guy that everybody probably has circled and is probably banging their radios or their <laughs> MP3 players or whatever. Their they got MP3 on players the just dated myself. Yeah, whatever you use it. Because we haven't mentioned Sam Cosby. And Sam Cosby's the guy that yeah. everybody's got their eye on. And I thought whether, we were talking defense. That's and whether I mean. you're looking at, you know, no matter what matter, you're looking at pro football focus, whatever you're looking at, Sam Cosby, Rod's probably entering the 2020 season as a preseason All-American. This is true. He's going to be a projected first-round pick. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a legit decision to make 
after the season of whether to stay or go. And now we know now that his recommendation from the draft advisory committee was to return to school. Wasn't given one of those first or second round grades. I know, which, man, that's crazy. The, that's advisory. Appara- apparently now they're very, very picky about, there's a very low percentage of guys no, that no, get they're first just, round grades. Well, first yeah. and second but round grades. they gave grades. Patrick Mahomes a second round grade, so. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think they only give out, like, it's like 25 to like 40 or something. And first there's like 60 grades, picks yeah. there. In the yeah. first, second round, you know, so it, the numbers are there just to help to try to, you know, not dissuade. Exactly, guys, but it's know. not accurate depiction 60 to 60 or whatever. But we yeah. haven't talked about the offensive line a lot. We've talked about Sam Ellinger and Mike Yersich, that relationship, Chris Ash. We talked about the receiver position, and we didn't talk about the Kennedy Lewis suspension, but that just adds to the intrigue of what is this wide receiver group going to look like once you see them on the field this spring? I have no idea. Yeah, it's, it's just a lot of guys that yeah. we haven't seen a ton of and the guys we have seen a lot stuff of, of, Brennan Eagles and Jake Smith, it's been a lot of up and down. Which you really deal with good the young really, players. Right. Yeah. And at some point you hope, like we talked about, like Keonta Ingram is a perfect example. Like you mm-hmm. hope at some point the floor raises to a, 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 baseline. a certain level where, yeah. yeah, you get that baseline and you know what you're going to get out of those guys each and every week. And that's – where Brennan Eagles is trying to get to also. But we haven't talked about the offensive line. And, Rod, when we talk about three-year guys, all those guys we talk about where you're talking about, okay, are they going to have a chance to go maybe get themselves drafted, Mm -hmm. at least be in that discussion after the season? Then there's the other group of third-year guys. And it's the guys that it's kind of you-know-what or get-off-the-pot time for some of those guys, Yeah, as my dad would say. It's the Alvante Woodards, the Reese Moores, the Rafiti Gramais, uh, the Daniel Carsons, guys that you've been hearing about behind the scenes and have been stashed away, have been developing. This spring is critical for those guys. This is the time where it's like, okay, if you're going to make your move up the depth chart yeah. and be a player of consequence, unless you're going to have the rare kind of John Harris type senior mm-hmm. year where you come out of nowhere, Outlier. you need to do it now because if not, if you're an offensive lineman, you've got a Tyler Johnson or an Isaiah Hook Finn or a Logan Parra, Jake Majors that's getting ready to pass you. Right behind you. If you're a Daniel Carson, you've got a Tavondre Sweat that probably already has passed you or a Vernon Broughton that's in a position to pass you. So, so And then Alvante awarded a wide receiver. Now the Kennedy Lewis situation is going to give him a chance to assert himself. But mm-hmm. if he doesn't, well, we know we know bodies at wide yeah. receiver is not the problem. You recruit over him. You have to. But this is the point where, and this goes back to our conversation, and we'll get more into this next week, but this goes back to our conversation about bust rates and how many contributors are you getting out of a class. And really that's mm-hmm. kind of what makes a class is, yes, you want the NFL hit rate to be, you know, 30% plus. Yes, you want to minimize your bust rate, but part of the minimizing the bust rate, it's not necessarily developing the NFL caliber guys. It's can you get one starting season out of that guy? Can mm-hmm. he become a reliable rotational player for you? That's where, Rod, uh, I'd, I'd venture to say probably half this roster is right now where you're trying to find out, okay, can these guys be starting caliber players? Can they be rotational guys? What are you going to get out of some of these guys? Man. I think you're right. I think it, hell, it might be more than half because you don't have really any at wide receiver. You got a lot of guys trying to take the next step. Um, offensive line now, a couple of spots on the offensive line you're still looking for. Defensive line, I think you do have some. You got a lot of solid proving commodities on the defensive line that you can bring back that have gotten some 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 playing time. Defensive backfield, I think the same thing. Linebacker don't really have anything. Running backs proven now. I think they got some proven commodities there at running back. 
Yes, I'm with you. I think you you're at the point now where if you're Tom Herman, you want to make sure you can salvage the guys who aren't necessarily going to take the next step and take on a starting role or can or, or a or starting contributing role for you. They're not they're not there. You already know it. Like, hey man, this is not this guy's not going to meet the expectation or hit his ceiling with us. But I still want to get something out of him. I still got to get him to be a contributor. I still got to get him to be on special teams. I still got to get him to be invested because you can't allow him to be a bust. That goes back to the bust rate. If he becomes a bust, then he's dragging that entire class down. You got to get something out of get that something out of it. But then you also got to, you got to evaluate and know, so who's, who, who do I need to relegate to those, those roles of being just role players? Yeah. I know he's not going to be my starter. He's not going to get starting rotation reps. He's just going to be a role player on this team. Who, who do you know is already in that role, and then now you got to start recruiting past him and then developing other guys. And like that happens every identify year. Identify it quick, too, because you, you don't want to yeah, waste that scholarship. It, if it's not working, time. a transfer is good. Yeah. And even though exactly. they end up on the bust, it isn't wasted because you at least get to replace him quicker. So, like, at least the transfer has a tiny bit of value if you identify it early and can get somebody instead of letting them just waste that scholarship. Yeah. For and it also you also get you know a couple steps ahead because – Take Sam Cosme, right? This is a spring where the coaches need to determine, okay, if Cosme leaves early, is Christian Jones ready to step in at left tackle in 2021 if Cosme goes pro? And if not, then you need to determine, okay, we need to make sure we earmark a spot if we need to go get a grad transfer offensive tackle. Yep. That's the kind of stuff. Like this spring, we talk about experimentation in the spring, but in terms, man, in terms of building your roster – this is where it's done right now. It's not done in the fall. At that point, you're getting ready to go late. win ball games. Yeah, it's too late. The spring is really where you're trying to figure out, okay, what it's are we vision. looking at in terms yeah. of not just finishing off your 2021 cycle, but what do we need to go get out of the portal next spring? Yeah, because you gotta you got to have a vision for the program. Now, the Devin DuVernay stories, when they happen, that's great. That's awesome. You'll make your adjustments to you know the Rojo situation, like, oh, man, we need running backs. Let's move this guy. That's going to happen. That's just you – solving problems, but there still needs to be a vision going forward for what you want the offense to look like, the defense, and who you want the leaders to be of this team, who your proven commodities already are, and who are the guys that you you project to be also in that upper echelon of your team leaders. You should know that. You've been around this team for three and a half years, going on four years. You should know that. It yeah. don't take long. Yeah. All right. It's just evaluation. And, and if they don't, don't Rod, then we're having the same conversation we had this year. Then you've wasted the offseason. You, if you're Tom Herman, your job depends on you not wasting the offseason. And how quickly do, can you do that with a new staff? Right. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We'll get more to that next week, the names, the positions, all that stuff to watch. But for right now, we're going to go ahead and close down this edition of The Blitz. And again, we will do it again next week. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt. You can get our archives, our classic interviews, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And you can get this podcast 
podcast anywhere you get your podcast apple podcast spotify stitcher google play just search horns 24 7 podcast you get us you get the flagship and you get state of recruiting by searching horns 24 7 podcast for the horn family for the horns 24 7 family i'm jeff howe thank you so much for downloading and listening and we will catch you again on the next episode You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.